0: Greetings Beach Boys fans and welcome to Surf's Up, a Beach Boys podcast safari. My name is Mark Dillon and I'm joined by my partner Phil Migliorati. Hi Phil. Hello Mark. Phil runs the Pray for Surf podcast and blog and I've been his guest many times and we've had such a great time talking about all things Beach Boys that we decided to branch out on a separate venture. This is our first installment, so thank you for joining us. You can find all our podcasts archived on the Surf's Up of Beach Boys Podcast Safari Facebook page. And we're starting this new adventure off with a bang. We have a very special guest who many Beach Boys fans will know, and that is Mr. David Leaf. David was a Beach Boys fan from New York State who moved to California in the mid-1970s and launched... The acclaimed Pet Sounds fanzine in 1977, and then soon after that followed up with a great book that had a big influence on me and many others called The Beach Boys and the California Myth. And David went on to do many things with Brian Wilson and the band, including being one of the writers on the TV special The Beach Boys, 25 years together. He wrote the press notes for Brian's debut solo album and the liner notes for Capitol Records Beach Boys CD releases co-produced The Good Vibrations, 30 Years of the Beach Boys, and Pet Sound Sessions box sets, wrote and produced the TV special, An All-Star Tribute to Brian Wilson, directed the wonderful 2004 documentary, Beautiful Dreamer, about the making of the Smile album. Some of his other great documentaries include The U.S. vs. John Lennon and The Night James Brown Saved Boston. And he is currently an adjunct assistant professor at the UCLA Herb Albert School of Music, focusing on songwriters on songwriting. And we welcome Mr. David Leaf. Hi, David.
1: Hey, thanks. I, I think I need to hire you as my publicist. <laughs> <You're on. laughs> great to be with you guys. Thank you, uh, David.
2: You know, we appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and
2: Go ahead. I, I just Go wanted ahead. to
0: ask, in regards to your uh, your teachings, who have been some of the great guests you've been able uh, to bring uh, for your students?
1: It's It's been uh, a terrific time at UCLA, and uh, I feel like I'm just getting started even though I've been teaching there since 2010. But uh, I've, I've te- I teach a class called Docs That Rock, Docs That Matter, about music documentary. So for that course, I've had some terrific, terrific filmmakers like the Academy Award-winning documentary maker Morgan Neville, which is particularly relevant because he did a great two-hour A&E biography on Brian Wilson back in the 1990s. Uh, Steve Binder has been there. Uh, again, a Beach Boy connection. He directed The Tammy Show. Uh, as well as uh, Denny Tedesco, who directed the Wrecking Crew documentary, so those are three direct oh, wow. connections to to this world. Um, in my songwriting class, which which I do sort of like inside the actor's studio, where I bring great songwriters in and interview them. The difference is they either are at a guitar at the piano or have have their guitar or both, and I kind of talk them through their musical life. And the first year I taught the class. Week one, I had Mike Stoller of Lieber and Stoller, uh, then then Jimmy Webb, then Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil, then Lamont Dozier and Mac Davis. So that class has been just you know a thrill every week. I, Randy Newman, Bert Backrack, I mean, just amazing, amazing songwriters who contemporary and legendary
0: that is have, have
1: have come to that wow. class and. and right now i'm i'm teaching for the very first time a course called the real beatles r e e l um about the beatles as kind of experienced through television promotional film feature films documentaries concert specials etc and uh for this class i've had guests like uh, peter asher so mm-hmm. it's 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 uh, it's great great uh, um Work—it's very satisfying. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, inspiring to be around these great creative people and, and have them share their stories with the, the students at UCLA.
0: Do you think Brian would be comfortable coming in and talking about songwriting?
1: Uh, you know, I didn't ask him. I—I've I, done it with him in the past. I remember sitting down. Uh, you mentioned the Good Vibrations box set. I—I I, I think that's when he and I sat down with cameras rolling him at the piano to talk him through his songs and um it's it was okay it was good but I, I um you know he's 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 not really a public performer right and uh you know i have a lot of ham in me he don't, i don't think he has any ham <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, so I, it's not its not something that I felt like I really wanted to to, um, to put him through. I, in my documentary class, I always show Beautiful Dreamer.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. I, I'm sure Brian's consumed a lot of ham, though, in his life. There's got to be a lot of ham in Brian, I would think.
1: <laughs> we'll leave it at that, yes.
0: <laughs> well, if we could so, sort of take a trip down memory lane. uh Sure. You know the Pet Sounds fanzine is, is a bit ahead of my time as a Beach Boys fan, but I know Phil is uh, sitting on a bunch of copies as
2: we speak.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, I
2: am. I, I found them, uh, of course, in a you know cave with some prehistoric Neanderthal man stuff. I'm your age. I'm a few years older than you, David. So uh, we go way back to some of the early '60s concerts. I'm sure you were at some of those in, uh, in New York. I was in Chicago. Well,
1: oh, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't cool enough to to go uh, early on. The first time I saw them was uh, Thanksgiving Eve, 1967.
2: Well, that's Okay, that's early enough. That's um, good for the opening that's acts good. were
1: the Strawberry wow. Alarm Clock and the Soul Survivors. Wow. Oh, wow. And wow. What, what I remember about that was um, when the Beach Boys finished their, I don't know, 20, 25-minute set... My friends got up to leave and and I said, Where are you going? I thought it was intermission. I didn't I, I didn't know the concert was over. It's the first concert I'd been to and it was like, What do you mean it's over? They only played like twenty five minutes.
0: A lot changed in concerts in about three or four years time.
1: Yeah, no, I, I saw them um at Georgetown University in the fall of seventy one and the show with all the encores went went well over two and a half hours including the crowd refusing to leave <laughs> and jack riley finally coming out and saying the guys appreciate it but uh, they're done they, they they've got nothing <laughs> left to give
0: i i well, really, yeah, those cats, i really regret Mark, never seeing any
2: of those shows
1: it was pretty great well they, they, yeah they were amazing
2: i mean it was uh, the sound enveloped you uh, it was like, and, and I know that other rock groups had this kind of response from people, but uh, it was it was just a wonderful feeling of a joyous community. Um, and for those of us who maybe knew a little bit of the background, you know, it added to some of the drama. You know, it was Dennis playing drums, or you know, hey, who, you know, is that Bruce in his shorts or whatever? Those kinds of silly <laughs> things that fans do. Um, I didn't mean his undershorts; I meant his Bermuda shorts. But anyway. Um, so back to those pet sounds fanzine. I mean, uh, those were I clutched those. Besides articles that would appear Crawdaddy or or uh, Rolling Stone, as much as as great as those were, those are good journalism and good you know a- analysis. I mean, you you brought a bunch of stuff together. That kind of uh, research, if you will, the context, the background stories. It, you know, fanzine's probably the technical name for it, but it really was meant to be what I think would have developed had you kept going longer, much longer, into a, a serious journal uh, looking at the, the music, the life, the times of the Beach Boys. And would you – that's my sense of, of how – I know you've done much more than Beach Boys, but your your Beach Boy uh, gifts that you've given to the, to the fan community um, have been great. And so well, thank, uh, thank you, you very that. much. But, but, but what I want to do is to ask you, earlier you were talking about your class at, uh, at the university, and I'm thinking, It suddenly thought, it kind of had this picture appear to me that I'm a student in that class, and you, you get in front of us and you say, hey, we had a guy scheduled for a lecture today, and, and he's stuck in traffic, he's not going to be here. And then I just kind of blurt out, well, then can I ask you a question? <laughs> and, and of course, you would uh, say yes, because you're a kind person. And I'd say, hey, I just saw there's a book out by the title, Why the, Why the Beach Boys Matter. And there's no one better who can really answer that question than you. Could you take this class and just talk to us about really what is it about the Beach Boys that makes them matter? Everybody loves their favorite group and their songs and all that kind of stuff, but there's something different. There's something else. That's why we're having this, you know, this crazy podcast. Is, is that a question you can answer, or well,
1: I'll, to I'll, I'll I'll give you an answer. Whether there's, I don't know, there's nothing definitive about the answer, but in thinking about it the way you just asked it, what what strikes me, and, and I don't I don't think I've thought of it this way before. Perhaps no group um, did the following things: gave us immeasurable musical magic. Disappointed us so much, left so much unfulfilled promise, and are still around
2: <laughs>
1: wow um, yeah. and and of course, no group that I can think of had Mozart in it so mm. um, you know I think that's I think those are kind of the, 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 the those are the thoughts that come off the top of my head when you say you know w- you know what is it about them that's different because yeah. you know the the Beatles. Uh, Rest in Peace, it's now, uh, you know, their last album came out in 1969, 50 years ago. Um, You know, for better or for worse, the Beach Boys are still out there doing it.
2: Yeah, what you said in answer to that question, why they matter, you said what I expected you to but you also said something I didn't expect you to. You said they're disappointments the fact that they disappointed us, I don't know if that made them more human than other people or other rock groups. I don't know, but it, at least for guys like me who are fanatic fans, uh, we wanted to know about who they were, not, you know, what their favorite ice cream was, but what, what do they think? And and what does, why, why this song and what, what's causing Brian to emote these things on Pat sounds and, you know, certainly other guys and other songs. Um, So I I think you hit a key there, that they've disappointed us, and uh, not that they have to ask our forgiveness, but that makes them very (laughs) human. Makes them very human. They're prisoners of their
0: own early success, maybe, to some extent. I mean, uh, you know, the great uh, resurgence of of the oldies in the 1970s, they just had a hard time dealing with that and and figuring out a direction uh, beyond that point. I mean, it was was looking back a lot more than it was looking forward, and I think that's why a lot of the records were disappointing.
1: Um, I, I, I don't know if they had a hard time figuring out a direction. I think you know, it was pretty clear from a commercial point of view the direction was towards a set list filled with endless summer. Um, there was an internal battle in the group, uh, you know, say between Carl and Mike, I think, uh, as to how far to go in that direction. Carl did want to do fewer oldies is my sense of it. But, I mean, we're talking about, you know, it's over 40 years ago. Yeah. I mean, the last contemporary tour feels like uh, keeping the summer alive, maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Do, uh,
0: do people still approach you about your book uh, all these years later? I mean, i just like to say, and I get into it a bit in my own book, how, how big this book was for me. I got it when I was 10 years old, and obviously a lot of it was over my head, but I, I held on to it, and I would reference it over the years, and as I got more interested in music, I mean, it really lit a fire in terms of, of you know, the, the the Pet Sounds era, and I couldn't even find Pet Sounds at any record store anywhere at that point, uh, Smile, this whole mythological thing I thought we would never hear, and, and, and the work that came after. I mean, there would never really been an in-depth journalistic look at the band uh, in, in book form. Um, so, yeah, I'm wondering, you know, if you still hear from people about it, and, and what, w- what would you say is the main point you were trying to get across in that endeavor?
1: Uh... Two, two different questions I, every now and again I do hear from somebody uh, it, it's, it's you know it was happening a lot more uh, in the late 90s uh, you know when I was at, uh, on tour with Brian I would meet a lot of people um, I don't hear too much about the book but um, then again just the other day uh, at my class at UCLA uh, Elliot Easton of the Cars was as a guest Hmm. And he was telling me how much, you know, he was talking to me about the book. Um, it's it's a long time ago. I wrote that book in 1977. Uh, the well, I've, been, I've been rereading it, David, for this conversation.
2: And th- certainly things that have transpired since you couldn't have in there. And some you even had some questions about which smile come out. And, you know, uh, obvious things that you'd ask in 1977 and even later in '85 but what you said about what was the, the the story the true this is real life this is real time uh that stuff is still
1: compelling reading
2: and i think your analysis is uh right on. uh
1: well thank you very much um it it i had occasion to to read the introduction of the book um recently some somebody had said something to me about it and i and i read it and i was kind of like wow, I had a lot of nerve. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that too, yes, that too. <laughs> you, you were young when you
1: wrote it. I was, I was twenty-five.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's it's amazing in one sense, but when you think that Paul McCartney was like twenty-two when he wrote "Yesterday," <laughs> it, it's not mm-hmm. that it's not that amazing. Right. You know, yeah. you know, in your twenties is is is. is I think it's typical. Is that's the era when you're, when you're at your perhaps boldest and most creative.
0: Well, then, what do we have to look forward to?
1: Social security? Oh, you don't get that <laughs> in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so no, no. I to... mean, you know, I I continue to create and make make movies and write and and um, it's it's with a different. Uh, you know I hate to use the word a maturing passion, but it's it's with the kind of the wisdom of experience it's 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 i think it's easier having done something once or twice or ten times that you can do it again um on the other hand, something has to really uh kind of quoting a different group's lead singer light my fire to to make me want to spend six months or a year on a project mhm.
0: Well, you uh, you updated your book in 1985, and so much has happened since then. And you've been in Brian Wilson's world. Will, will we ever get another update from you or another book about this subject?
1: Um, it in 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 a funny kind of way, I felt like the book was updated every year from '85 to around 2005, and by that I mean it feels like every year. Starting with the 25th anniversary special in '86, there was some Beach Boys or Brian Wilson project or another that I, for which I wrote something, whether it was liner notes or a script for a documentary right. or a television special, it or, or the, uh, the 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 All Star Tribute. It feels like I was kind of rewriting the book and adding to the book. Uh, I think you know one of the things that I know was a was a gigantic effort. Uh, maybe the longest press kit in history at its time was the the press kit for his his solo album in '88. I know when I wrote they... the, the 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 essays for the tour booklets, um, in was it 2000 2001, uh, that that I was conscious of what I had written before and trying to find a new way to tell the story. Um, certainly with the Pet Sounds box set. Well, that was a really deep dive into into the subject and with the yeah. smile movie it was how, how do you tell this whole story? And so I really had a had a you know, kind of breeze through giant sections with you know, I think there's a montage cut to the song Till I Die that covers about twenty five years. Right. Uh so uh I feel like in a sense the book has been updated. Um Maybe one day I'll teach a class on uh, Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys and update it then. Who knows? Well, please uh, do that, and
2: please invite us to, to come out and be there for that. That would be an, uh, an astounding kind of conversation. But I love how you just package that together, everything from, of course, the book, and you've got uh, you know, your couple of pages uh, that you added on, and then uh, liner notes, uh, TV, um, motion picture, you know, DVD. Um, I'm just processing that whole thing that, that really but all the media package.
0: covered.
2: That's right, <laughs> exactly. Well, but it, it uh, also it, is a good answer to Mark's question. I like it. Uh, well, thank,
1: thank you. you.
0: I mean, you were there for uh, a lot of Brian's triumphs. I mean, it, you know, and, and I think you've written about this before. I mean, things were kind of depressing. It was depressing being a Beach Boys fan in the mid-'80s. I mean, you know, they had the one album out in 85, but there wasn't really a whole lot going on. Brian wasn't really doing a whole lot. Uh, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of cause for optimism. Like, we kept hearing about Smile, but there was no news on that front or there were little teases. You know, and then the solo album came kind of out of nowhere to many fans, and uh, you know, blew people's minds. I know you've written effusively about that. And then, I, I, you know, I think you were there for this kind of reevaluation of the group because you combine that solo album with uh, the CD releases from Capitol, and all of a sudden, you know, all these bands are being uh, inspired by the Beach Boys.
1: Well, it's that's, it's it's great to know that uh, the the songs reached the records reached. Uh, uh, you know, a new generation. I had I had nothing to do with that. I just was fortunate enough that that uh, for, for somebody I knew at Capitol Records asked me to do the liner notes. Um, I, I think the music is is the only thing that really matters when it comes down to it. Uh, now, as fans, we always want to know more, and and I think in the in the updated edition of the book, which now I, I wrote that update in 1984 so we're talking about 35 years ago the the um my sense of it was i wrote something about how you know you you know i got too deep into the story and and saw you know more human suffering than than you want you want to yeah. to know about in terms of an artist you love um but you know i you know i remember you know i i live in in santa monica and uh so Dennis didn't die too far from here. Uh you know, no. I, I I you know, I've I've been to some very sad events through the years. Uh you know, I remember seeing Carl, you know, at at the hospital just before he died. I mean, just you know, stuff like that that's just you know, heartbreaking to see see it all vanishing in front of your eyes. Mm-hmm.
0: But they're they're part of fans' lives every day. Like it's actually the anniversary of Carl's death today, and uh, like all over Facebook, everyone's remembering him. Like they're they're still with us. Uh,
1: well, the, the, that's that's the thing about great art is is that it survives, and and I think I probably owe a lot of my sense of art to uh, my late wife because uh, she would talk about. Uh, Michelangelo and Da Vinci, and mm. and Gershwin, and 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 I always wanted Brian and the Beach Boys to be thought of in that manner as something that was forever, and that was part of what drove me was was that this stuff is important. It goes back to your question you asked earlier, and and they were being dismissed by critics, they were being derided, uh, and and. What they created was so important, so influential, uh, so timeless that, uh, you know, the, the missteps um, and, the, and the misadventures uh, sometimes overshadow it. David, uh, you just said timeless. Uh, 20 years from now,
2: 25 years from now, when, of course, but I don't think any of the originals, uh, maybe none of the uh, three of us will be around. Can you speculate as to how they will be viewed? Will the things that you talked about—the you know the tragedies, uh, the Manson stuff, all all the stuff surrounding their music—will that become less important, and the music become more revered? I'm not trying to tell tell you what to say, but how how would you see how people would talk about them and their music? I
1: I um, I I I think the music. Will be revered. I don't know if it'll be more revered. Uh, it'll be influential. Will it be as influential? That's you know hard to say. One one of the yeah. things uh, you take comfort from it when you create something is if one person tells you they liked it and it influenced them. And you know, in this case, I'm I'm thinking of somebody. I don't know if you've had him on your podcast, Darian Sahanaja. Um, I have not. Uh, well, you should, mm-hmm. and and, and um, you know what what he his story. Uh, and I'll let him tell it, but what he told me about reading my book and and what that meant to him. Well, that's that's pretty amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that uh, you know there uh, the other people I've met, the uh, like late Tom Petty, uh, Lindsey Buckingham. Uh, you know, you, if you hear from one person that it mattered, then then it does. And so we know the Beach Boys' music will matter for millions forever. Um, and and I really believe that all the personal stuff will 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 vanish because everybody's personal life has triumphs and tragedies in it. Theirs are magnified because they're on the world stage. Uh, and uh, you know, 25 years from now, when we're all gone, maybe not Mark. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> have, I hope we're all around. around
1: well, uh, <laughs> well, you know, in terms of you know the 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 creators of the Beach Boys, not the you know they, they may be alive, but I doubt they'll be singing in four part harmony 25 years from now. Yeah. Yeah, but but go. so so the mm-hmm. so the, the Beach Boys as an institution will. Pass from our eyes, but then we see that with so many groups, the name carries on and the music is performed. And and uh, I mean, there there's a Count Basie Orchestra, right?
2: There you go. Yep.
1: So why can't there be a Beach Boys that that continues to play this music for the world? Uh, and and by playing, you know, the, the the two dozen hits that were that are so familiar. Uh, introduces people, and, and one of the things that's fascinating about young people is when they get into something, they really dive deeply into it. And and so hopefully that will happen, and and one of them will be inspired and create things that uh, we never could imagine. So, so you mentioned the, the older... Count Basie Orchestra. That go ahead Mark
0: I was just going to say it's it's up to you know the older generations to sort of curate a little bit I mean you know my kids are are just listening to I mean essentially rap and hip hop is and and pop music that's what they listen to they're they're teenagers um you know but of course I'm playing beach boys introducing them playing it in the car and and they're liking it and my son came along to the Brian Wilson show a few months ago and and, and he dug it you know so you know, as, as long as as somebody there, the the mega fans are there, I guess to uh, lead on the younger ones, then uh, then they're going to love it. I mean, Phil, I just want to say quickly to your point about the drama and all that. I I don't think uh, on the whole the the drama of the Beach Boys' lives is something that that most People that listen to the Beach Boys are aware of. You know, when I go see Mike Love and Bruce Johnson, I saw them in Cape Cod a number of years ago. I don't think people there are even conscious of who's who's an actual Beach Boy and who's not, and why is Brian Wilson not there? They're really enjoying the music. You know, I mean, if they want to if they want to dive deeper, they can. But I think they're just there for a good time.
1: I I agree with that. I I yeah, I, think and I don't right. and I don't think it was any different twenty years ago or thirty years ago or forty years ago. I'm not even sure. It certainly wasn't true in the '60s. Uh, maybe there was a period in in the late '60s, early '70s, when everybody was on stage except Brian, um, and yeah. and they and they were still very young, and creative, and vital, and evolving, from you know from Sunflower through Holland, that it was different. But it it feels like they haven't been a contemporary force in music for so long. That that what you said about not knowing who's a, an original Beach Boy and who isn't and all of that, that's been true for a long, long time. And I, I'd say certainly since Carl's passing, um, it, it's you know nobody's nobody's saying hey, there's no Wilsons on stage. They're going to see the Beach Boys, and the Beach Boys is a feeling and it's a sound. Hmm. Well. I'm-
2: doubt that you were in conversations like this but the brain trust or other records whatever whoever decides on licensing and that kind of thing and you know there's only one count base orchestra so how i'm assuming they they're thinking these questions about these questions how do we protect what you just said you know, people won't say there aren't any Wilsons on stage, but it, it's, the, it's the sound, it's the music, it's the, the joy that it brings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of asking a question you can't answer. Well, it's actually anyway. it's a big
1: part. A big part of the music business business now is um, uh, brand management, if you will. Okay. Leg- yeah. Legacy management, and there's whole companies set up. To um, you know that manage Prince, the Prince estate, Michael Jackson estate, the Otis Redding estate, the Janis Joplin estate, uh, wow. and on and on and on. And so there are people who that's what they do. They they think about all this.
0: Well, when, at the well, time I'm you wrote sure. your book, uh, did did people know the Brian Wilson story, or was that part of your motivation to, to bring this to light? Exactly what he meant to the group. I mean, when I was a kid and I got my first Greatest Hits package, you know, I looked on the back and I, you know they they have the songwriting credits, and I didn't I didn't know those were songwriting credits. I thought that was who the vocalist was because I'm like I don't care who wrote the song, I just care who sings the song. So <laughs> it, it, I it, I,
1: it, I think the opening section of the book makes it really clear what the motivation of the book was in terms. Terms of my concern for Brian Wilson, Be, you know, before it it goes, it kind of flashes back to tell the story when it describes what's going on on stage uh, at a concert uh, circa 1977. I think that 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 mm-hmm. that's as good a statement of my motivation as it's any better than anything I could say. Uh, I, I certainly felt that by the time i wrote the book that they had fallen out of critical favor i mean I, if i remember correctly rolling stone named holland album of the year
0: one of the top 5 that's right yeah
1: and so, and so so how, did, how in 5 years did they go from that to kind of being i don't know they they, they you know they suddenly they were an oldies act yeah, and shoebox, and yeah. and so i think part of the motivation of the book certainly part of the motivation of pet sounds the pet sounds newsletter was to treat them with with respect and tell their story in a way that um, that properly contextualized the music inside their lives, without the lives overwhelming the story. But the the the, the lives often did overwhelm the story, so it co- it couldn't be avoided.
0: How, how much would you say the myth of Smile inspired and sustained your interest in uh, in Brian and the group?
1: Well, it certainly inspired it. Um, there would there would not have been a book if not for the myth of Smile. I mean, that's that's the, it was wanting to hear Smile that, that kind of drove it all. Uh, you know, that, that drove, you know, everybody, I think, who, you know, would say, you know, uh, whether I still am or not, it's a different question. But, you know, being a Beach Boys fanatic in the 70s, the smile was the holy grail. And, yeah. and it was hearing Surf's Up and thinking, oh, my God, there's an entire album of music like this. I've got to hear that. And, and so one of the things uh, that, I, that I did that I was really most proud of was getting something like 40 minutes, 45 minutes of Smile music onto the Good Vibrations box set. Right. And, and in chronological context, so you went from Pet Sounds to Good Vibrations to, to Smile, and then I think on, on disc five there was even some Smile outtakes as well, but it was the first time the Smile music had been in one place. As, as an official release, and um, uh, it was remarkable. That's you know that's we're talking. It's over twenty five years ago that that box set came out.
0: I, I cannot have a, wait one uh, second to get my copy of that.
1: I'm sorry, I didn't hear what yeah. you said.
0: I, I couldn't wait even one second to get my copy. I mean, once that thing was out there, I uh, I grabbed it and rushed home and uh, went right to the smile stuff.
1: <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I mean, I was really proud of the fact that that that, I, and I added it up at one time, but something like forty percent of the music on the box had never come out before. Wow. And yeah, uh, that and, was a
2: great box set. Go ahead, please.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, we had just we had just done the two first, so we had put a lot of unreleased stuff on those. So uh, you know, to, to do the box and 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 get all that music in in sequence in you know the best available sound and and all that uh it felt very important
2: and, What was your course, first
1: i know go
2: ahead mark yeah i know you're sorry i was just going to okay. say i
0: mean uh, we talked a bit about some of brian's triumphs and i mean certainly one of them was you know at age 62 i think it was Finishing the Smile album with with his band, putting it out, and it was fantastic. And and you were there for that. You were filming that. I, I'm wondering how how willing he was to sort of expose himself in in that documentary. And I'm also wondering if, if there are any fantastic outtakes that did not make it into the final cut.
1: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> uh, there's a,
1: there's a, yeah, Why don't you why don't you start a lobbying effort to to do a a, a box set of 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 the film, I mean, there's so much stuff. Not, not to mention the entire concert from London. Uh, mm. The, the, uh, no, there's, there's endless, endless great stuff. And I remember in the editing room looking at a cut with Pete Lynch, who's a brilliant, brilliant young man uh, who who edited that and the U.S. versus John Lennon and and the, the James Brown film and who was Harry Nilsson, a great, great, smart guy and and. We had finished a cut of of Beautiful Dreamer that was about an hour 52, hour 53, somewhere around there. And I said to him, we watched it, and I said, you know, Pete, everything is working. There isn't a sequence that isn't working. But overall, I think the movie's too long. And I think if we can cut five or ten minutes out of it, it'll feel a lot. It'll feel 20 minutes shorter. And that's just the feeling that came from having spent... Uh, a lifetime in editing rooms, and so we did we did cut some great stuff just in that last gasp of, of trimming the movie that you know was wonderful there no there's there 's piles piles of stuff I mean we were at rehearsal every day for i don 't know a month mm. Guys,
0: uh, I I hate to have to cut it short, but I'm going to have a a little girl waiting out in the cold for me. Um, Should we book a a part two at some convenient time, or what do you
2: think? Well, uh, David, Mark and I would love to do that. There's so many other topics that we'd love to talk with you about. We think those who listen to this podcast are very serious about it and seriously interested in that. So we'll we'll talk offline and hope to uh, be able to do a part two with you. But we just at this point want to say thank you. And uh, the word that came to my mind, and then Mark, you, uh, if you got a closing statement, uh, please do, is you have been, I know that you've got all these different roles that you've played, liner, note, writer, this kind of thing, uh, you know, movie producer. But I think all along the way you've been an advocate, uh, certainly for Brian. And I think it came at a time where that helped get the Beach Boys back uh, well, I'm going into something too deep here for the final statement here, but anyway, I just think the timing of the of what you did when you did it uh, has been critical all the way, so thank you for being an advocate for, for Brian, for the Beach Boys, and I'll just say for me in a sense, because I, re- I think I represent a lot of folks who don't get to write stories and don't get to do uh, filming of, of rehearsals and, uh, you know, these guys have made a difference in my life and their music and so thank you for being part of keeping it alive and uh, having this well, conversation with us today.
1: Thank you. My pleasure. It's very, very kind of you to say. I, I just, I, I really don't feel any different than any other fan, other than I was so kind of determined to get get behind the scenes and do that that I devoted a significant amount of my life to it. So, so, um, uh, I, I kind of my guiding principle is like, what did I want to see as a fan? and i think that well, I that think may be so what, that may be what drove every you know the conception and realization of each project well thank you david
2: mark anything before we sign off
0: i just want to thank you david uh, for uh, certainly being a big inspiration on my uh, passion for the beach boys and for uh, speaking with us today
1: oh thank you my pleasure and uh, we'll do it again soon to 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 use a beach boy title
2: <laughs> i
1: love it thanks thanks yeah. Matt.